Hello and welcome to My Dead Parents. <laughs> this is Bree Helders, your host. Uh, today we have on Steve Agee. That's right. I, that's how it's I said it. It's such a weird way to introduce a podcast. <laughs> welcome to My Dead Parents. Welcome. Hello and welcome to My Dead Parents. I like to say it soft. It's weird, you know, um, to people who haven't lost a parent or even a loved one, how... Uh, how fucked up this sounds like saying <laughs> shit like that and like how irreverent, but once it happens, it all completely makes sense, you yeah. know? Yeah. There's a certain casual nature to the way I, I talk about some things that I think people who don't have a dead parent are going to be like, what a cold cunt. <laughs> she doesn't care. But, yeah. it, but it just becomes so like, this is, this is the new normal for me. Yeah. I'm yeah. just, yeah, I'm a guy who doesn't have a dad now. You're a guy who doesn't have a dad now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have my mom still. How long ago did you lose your dad? Uh, it'll be five years in August. Wow. So yeah, four and nine or ten months. Is that it? I I know the one year. I'm coming up on one year with yeah, my dad. Yeah. Uh, and I know that's going to be a very big deal. And I'm sorry, I didn't used to even see that it would be a big deal. I was like, it's just going to be like the rest of the time. But I think it will be quite big. But it, I mean, do you think five years will be another big marker? Is it like, is it like birthdays? Five, no, five, it's, you're pretty much resigned to the fact that it's happened. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, you've dealt with it. Um, the first two years were the rough ones for me. And and really, and not so much the anniversary of his death, but like the holidays, like Thanksgiving, uh, obviously the first Thanksgiving, which was only like two or three months after he died was yes. brutal. Mm -hmm. Um, but Christmas and like Father's Day, yeah. um, Mother's Day, mm -hmm. um, those, are, those are the ones like after you've lost a parent, you're like, why the fuck do we have these holidays? <laughs> yeah, you hate, I hate everything about that time also father's day is like was two days after my father died i'd already yeah, gotten him a it's gift coming up really it's soon, coming yeah. up i didn't even think about it it like it really rushes out and then i start seeing this stuff here oh you know what makes me fuck you're in angry. the stores you see the, all the greeting cards set up and you're like oh and the emails and the emails the it commercials <gasps> i it's, hate it it's it's a corporate, ho these are corporate holidays for mm -hmm. selling cards and shit like that. And um, <laughs> it's just really fucked up. Because I also think even people who have parents, it would be a more enjoyable time if it wasn't so corporate driven, yeah, yeah. I guess. It would be great to just go home one weekend and surprise your mom or your dad saying, hey, I bought you some presents here. <laughs> I'm going to take you to dinner. Yeah. It doesn't have to be Father's Day. But now, now that my dad is dead, it's like so much more prominent and like despairing and like it, it's, yeah, it's really fun. The holidays are the worst parts for me. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can feel that. I, my, my first Christmas was a few months. Yeah. My, my mother died at the end of in the sorry in the middle of october funeral mm -hmm. was at the end of october mm -hmm. halloween my daughter's birthday thanksgiving christmas all of that was a 
fucking blur. Yeah. Like I yeah, didn't sure. even, it was hard, sure. but it was, I was still almost in shock. And I think this yeah. Christmas is going to be the harder one Yeah, for me. Um, how does your, were your parents together? Uh-huh. How does your mom do on those, on those holidays and stuff? She's fun. She's a lot better now. She, um, my mother, my mom turns 79, uh, day after tomorrow. She'll be 79. Wow. And she's awesome. just at that age now where, you know, all of her friends are dying. Yeah. Like it started with my dad, but now it's, you know, it seems like every, you know, every couple weeks she's like, well, so-and-so died. And yeah. it's weird too. The more people die in your life, the more just clinical it becomes like when I was a teenager I had a friend who died and I was just a wreck I was like what the fuck mm -hmm. he was 16 what the fuck is going on this is crazy yeah and with oddly enough with each death you become more uh, resilient and more thick-skinned towards it and that's how when you hear old people going Oh yeah, my brother died last week. Oh, my friend from college is uh, dead, and uh, yeah. and they're just saying it like it's. Oh, I went to a movie last week, and I saw. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, well, saw the new Fast and the Furious. Yeah, they're just. Or my sister died. Could be either one. The older you get, the more it happens, obviously, and um, the more you have to kind of deal with it and address it. Yeah, I do think that that comes with like learning to accept your own death i think sure. that has to go hand sure. in hand Absolutely. right because you have to just be like well shit i'm getting closer i'm i'm gonna die and then you're like oh yeah everybody else is and i'm going to as well it's so weird you know from the time i was 17 through you know up until my dad died my biggest fear was losing my parents yeah literally like that was I was a close second, you know, losing myself. I didn't want to die, but like, and especially in the older I got, I'm like, oh my God, time's moving on. They're going to die someday. Yeah. I and, and I would obsess about it. And, um, and then uh, it happens and it's as bad as you can imagine. Yeah. In some ways it's worse than you even imagine. But in other in other ways, it's just this weird eye opening. Like, holy shit, this has actually happened. I'm st I'm still alive. I'm dealing with it. Mm -hmm. I'm moving on. I have to. Um, it's a. Gr it's. I don't like it. I don't. I, no. Not not a fan. <laughs> no. <laughs> not a fan of it. But no, no. But but it's it's weird. Like it's a. Obviously, we. It's some. It's one of those things that you say when you're younger. Or you hear when you're younger. But when it clicks for you, it's actually. It's. It's both depressing and freeing, but just the whole, the world goes around. It just keeps going. It really is. It, and you know that it does, no matter what, but like when it's actually happening, you're like, oh shit. Oh, like Jesus, I remember yeah. my dad had, his, he died slowly. And so I, I'm from Riverside, like an hour away from here in LA. And so I was constantly driving back and forth to the hospital out in Riverside to visit him and sit with him. And and I just remember always being in my car in traffic, driving out to the hospital and just yeah. looking around at other people in the car going, yeah, 
she doesn't know my dad's dying. Yeah. He doesn't know my dad's dying. Uh-huh. I wonder if her dad's dead. Like, the world is still, like, my dad's dying and people are still going to work. Yeah, I had this, I had. I did the exact same thing. I Also, I'm from La Puente. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, my, but my mother, she was in uh, at USC. So yeah. probably halfway to La Puente from here, realistically. And yeah. and yeah, and I would, you know, I would take that exit and I would, and I like, it just walking, just walking into the lobby, knowing that my mother was in I- ICU and when yeah. she was, when they were trying to figure out what was going on with her body and, and it, and it was just shutting down mm-hmm. uh, was the answer. But just medically, they couldn't explain what was going on. Yeah. But just, but I knew that she was. And then when they were like, we're going to send her into hospice, there's nothing, unless you want us to do this s- surgery that she probably won't even survive. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. you know, you can send her to hospice. And I was like, she's going home. And so I was, you know, I was going to the hospital to organize at home hospice. Like, she needs to get out of here. She developed hospital delirium. I don't know if you know what that no. is. But it's, you, you, if you spend too much time in a hospital and under certain um, circumstances like the conditions of the hospital and maybe what your body is going through um, you go mad I mean you think about the fact that you're not seeing sunlight you're not leaving a room yeah. you have these beeping noise and these lights around you I hate hospitals I hate hospitals Fuck. so much they're the worst and 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 you never get sleep and it sends you fucking crazy and of course it would. And she, on top of that, was strapped down because she had a breathing tube and she was uh, pulling it out. To pull it out yeah. And she couldn't speak. And <clears throat> she was a talker. Like my, oh my god, she was a talker. So taking away yep. her ability to speak yeah. and and give sass, like even when she was just mumbling, you could yeah, you yeah. could tell her when she was mumbling. Actually, I would say safely, in the last four days she was in the hospital the only time she said something clear was when she was threatening nurses and the rest <laughs> of the time like she couldn't spit out an i love you yeah, but yeah. she could spit out i'm gonna fucking slap you <laughs> and i was like yeah that's that's her she's in there but she developed hospital delirium and i was you know i was like i'm i'm taking her home if the, yeah. the best thing for her right now is being at home and that's what she wants and yeah. um and i remember yeah going into the hospital and looking around at, at people getting flowers and <sighs> and and checking in and and i was just like god you just none none of you know you guys you, you don't even know no you're here to give flowers to someone who just had their fucking tonsils yeah. out. Yeah. Oh, oh, are you sad? Oh, oh you're sad because your son lost his foot? Well... <laughs> <laughs> lost his foot. Because he lost his foot? His diabetic foot came off. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry about your <laughs> diabetic foot, you asshole. <laughs> well, my mom's dying. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you do. I, I, I think I've never been less empathetic and understanding of other people than when my parents were dying even just listening to and i've never been that way but just listening to other people's problems made me angry sometimes but i've never been obviously i know that just because my problems are greater doesn't mean another problem person's problems aren't valid yeah but in that moment i don't feel that way (laughs) no there's there's nothing more uh there's there's nothing other than your parents are dying going on in in your world while that's happening. It's so weird. It's like you're sitting in the hospital with your parent and knowing your friend's having a birthday party tonight. And you're like, how can they do this? My dad's <laughs> dying. Like, how can people? Why isn't there? Why aren't all the flags at half mast? Why 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 don't kids have school off today? My dad's sick. Um did you already I don't know did you already say this? How do you how did your dad what was he sick with? 
He, this is so crazy. Um, he, actually, my both my parents had it, um, had osteoarthritis in his knees, which is very common, um, and it's really just the the ligaments and padding in your knees wears down over time when mm-hmm. you get older, and your knees hurt. And if you see most like old people, if you see them wearing shorts you'll see they have a big scar on their knees. Like most yeah. people have reconstructive surgery on their knees mm-hmm. to repair the the damage. Super common, super easy to fix. My mom had hers fixed and uh, it's, you know, it's painful rehab after getting your new knee to work, but um, it's very effective. And so my dad, I remember going out to visit my parents one weekend and my dad was like limping mm-hmm. i was like well what's up with that what's going on he's like oh he's like i have osteoarthritis he's like i need to have my knee replaced i was like oh well you should probably do that really soon he's like yeah i'll get around to it and uh, my dad was a doctor also so yeah. a thing with doctors is they don't they never go like in. having shit done to themselves no. like he would all always put shit off like i remember him cutting his hand open with a uh, like a hedge trimmer like almost severing several fingers and just wrapping a towel around it and my mom was like no nope not this time we're taking you to the fucking hospital so he was really stubborn with his health but he's like oh yeah he's like he's like i'll get it taken care of next time i go home he's using a fucking walker and i'm like dad what the fuck are you doing you haven't gotten this taken care of yet and he's like no he's like i finally went to to see the doctor we're trying to set up a time to have this surgery i was like all right well do that and like i go home like a month later about a month month and a half later it's to the point where he can't walk at all oh my gosh he we had to put a hospital bed in the living room of the house because there were there's stairs in my parents' house. Yeah. And he couldn't get up and down the stairs. Ugh. So he was just like laying in the living room in a hospital bed. He had finally made an appointment to get his knee surgery. Yeah. With a really good surgeon. So, of course, there was like a waiting list to have mm-hmm. this guy do his knee. It was like two months. I'm like, you're just going to lay here for two fucking months? Yeah. And he was like, he's like, I really have no choice. I was like, you should have done this like six months ago, Dad. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I know. And, and so he's like popping uh, anti-inflammatories for the for the pain and the swelling. Yeah. Not realizing that because he's bedridden and not moving or standing up, the pills are just sitting in his no. stomach, eating holes in his stomach. No. And so probably a few weeks before he was supposed to have the surgery, he says to my mom one day, he's like, he's like, something, something's not right. He's like, I f- honestly feel like I'm dying. And she goes, okay, well, let's get you to the hospital. So they go to the hospital, they do all these tests, and they're like, oh, you have massive holes in your stomach. You're bleeding internally. Oh, my gosh. And so they fix the problem, but they're like, and he, now he's in the hospital at this point, and they're like, um, we we want to do a blood transfusion because like you've lost a lot of blood. Yeah. And my dad, who was 85 at the time, 84 or 85 at the time, was like, no, I'm not doing a blood transfusion. Uh, what? 
Because he was practicing medicine in the 80s when oh AIDS and blood transfusions <laughs> oh were like no. a total gamble and people were getting AIDS from blood transfusions. Oh and even though he was a doctor, he was a scientist, he knew, knew better. Like that's not a thing anymore. He was still like, nope, I'm not doing a blood transfusion. Do you think he always felt that way? or do you, I mean, sometimes when people get sick, they get weird about stuff. I don't know the reasoning, but he was just like, no, I'm not doing a blood transfusion. What about getting one from you? What about, get, what about getting a blood transfusion from a family member? I know. And, and so, <laughs> so they're like, well, you've lost too much blood. We can't do the surgery until your hemoglobin levels are back up to normal. Yeah. So... If you want to wait for that to happen, it's going to be another like four or five months. He's like, fine. And so back to home, back to laying in bed for like four or five more fucking months. And at this point, he's now depressed because he can't walk. He's literally shriveling. Every time I go home, he looks older and mm. tinier and more frail. And... um and so finally, his blood levels get back to where they need to be, and they schedule a new surgery. This is, this is like November, December of 2015, I think. And um, so they're like, all right, we're doing the surgery, and uh, end of January. Two weeks, no, less than a week before his surgery, he gets the fucking flu. I'm sure he got it from like my sister or somebody visiting or something, but he gets the fucking flu. He's sick as a dog. They're like, we can't do the surgery oh, while you're sick. So they're like, we have to reschedule for like two more months. So now he's been in a bed for basically like 10 months, just an 85 year old man, depressed as shit, angry as shit, shriveling up, like just all his much muscles are atrophying and, um, and so finally he has the surgery and it's like April, like it's been, you know, like 10 months. He has, yeah. he has the surgery and it's a complete success. They fix his knee. It's fine. Oh, great. So then he has to go from the hospital to a rehab facility mm -hmm. and live in this rehab facility for probably like a month or so while they get his knee working again and get, give him physical therapy. Turns out this was a really shitty rehab facility. And one day we get a call from them going, um, something happened, we're not sure, but his knee is broken. They what? broke his fake fucking knee. What? How does that even? We don't know. Oh they won't God. cop to it. I'm sure they dropped like the food table on his knee or something when they were Or just someone him. wasn't supporting him right and he fell or something. Yeah, and so he had to have it redone. He had to have his knee. F it, actually, it wasn't the fake knee that broke. It was like the patella or something. And so he had to have surgery to fix that and then have his leg put in a splint, immobilized. Oh. So now he can't do rehab on his new knee. Oh, my gosh. He's now back in a fucking hospital. Ugh. And it's now been like, you know, close to a year. And so he's not doing well at all. He's just really depressed and the crazy thing is as i'm going to visit him i'm watching him go through all the stages of grief like yeah literally textbook like denial i'm fine everything's 
anger. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, your mom doesn't want to take care of me, so I'm in this fucking rehab facility. Like everything, just every mm-hmm. fucking stage. It was it was so textbook. It was terrifying. And so uh, he's he's finally back. Having he's in. No, I think he's at home now at this point, or he's in a different. Re- that's it. He was in a different rehab hospital, a really nice one, and they're taking care of him. Everything's good. But at this point, in his health and his quote-unquote recovery i seem to be the only person in the family who's like oh he's not going to recover from this Mm. i see the writing on the wall he is checked out he's given up yeah i'm like he's getting war he's 85 he's like lost like a third of his weight like he's tiny also that's just how this shit works at that age and going through a surgery especially like a a surgery where walking and mobility is on the line yes if you are done your body's going to be done you have to work hard and want it it's hard enough for a 25 year old to bounce back from that surgery it takes a lot of work and everyone in the family is like well we just got to get him home and you know Get him walking on that leg again. I'm, I'm not saying this to anybody, but I'm like, that's that's not going to happen. He's yeah. he doesn't bounce back from this. He's done. You just know you can see it in people, and yes. you're like, they they don't have the drive. He's checked out. Yeah. And so he's in this new rehab facility. He's stable. He's fine, and uh, I'm getting set to go do a movie in uh, South America of all places. Mm. And I hadn't worked in a little while, so it was going to be a good payday for me. I was like really excited. I've never been to South America. And um, two, about three days before I'm supposed to fucking fly down. No, three days before shooting. Like I am set to fly down like a day later, like the next day. I wake up and my mom's like, your dad's in intensive care. Oh my God. And I'm like, uh, okay, I'm supposed to be in Bogota, Colombia in three days shooting. Oh my gosh. And so I know, I'm. when she says he's in intensive care, I'm like, this is the beginning of the end. I yeah. go, I can't go to South America. I'm like, oh fuck. Um, so I have to call the fucking director. How long were you supposed to be in South America filming this thing? About a month and a half. Whoa, yeah. So there's and not. I it's not like it's like four days, five no, days. It yeah. was like it's like a full. It's a whole thing. It was a full shoot, and mm-hmm. I I was just like, there's a good chance he could die while I'm out of the country, and I wouldn't yeah. be able to live my, with myself. Yeah. Um. And so I call the director, and I'm crying, and I'm like, I am so fucking sorry to do this to you, but my dad is in intensive care, and I'm positive there's no way he's bouncing back from this. I think I have to back out of the movie. And he was so great. This was James Gunn, by the way. Mm -hmm. He was like so great about it. He's like, honestly, he's like, I'd be disappointed if you decided to still go to South America. What an amazing response to receive. Don't worry about it at all. That is the best case scenario. Best case. There are are people out there that would be dicks about it. Yeah, there are. And so he's like, don't worry about it. And so I stay. He lived like another three or four months. I could have totally gone, but I'm I'm I don't regret the time I spent sitting yeah. with him and talking to him and everything. And uh, 
and then um and he, he, he in the hospital he got so much more shit being in the hospital he got MRSA in his foot which MRSA is like a staph infection it's like a oh flesh-eating bacteria yeah it's it's immune to antibiotics. Like most antibiotics don't fucking do shit to it. Um, yeah. And it's really common in hospitals. Yeah. Well, specifically these like intensive care units or hospice or rehab facilities. I've been to a lot of them because I was raised by uh, like my parents were in their 70s. And I was raised around my great grandparents. I fortunately had them up wow. until a couple year, a year ago, um, which is a really long. They lived yep. for. They were all a thousand years old. Like they lived so long. Yeah. And uh, but but so I grew up going to these facilities, and I'm telling you, like some of the shit I have seen, <laughs> yeah. the staff everybody is getting, yeah. the pneumonia and the flu, how people aren't cared for, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and and also like, oh, it's it's bad it's gross it's a problem it's why a lot of hospitals now a lot of procedures are uh outpatient mm -hmm. like they hospitals want to get you the fuck out as soon as they can and yeah. this is part of the reason is there's these you know staph infections that are like deadly yeah and so he got that in his foot and it's just eating away at his foot and that was just this other thing that was like not as important and, you know, his lungs started filling with fluid and they were constantly having to drain his lungs. And it was eventually, it was, uh, oh, what the fuck was it that did it? It was like uh, like respiratory failure. Mm. Um, and so... Did he, did he like aspirate or something? Like what caused respiratory failure? Do you remember? Well, it was just or, his or like lungs filling with what? It was, uh, no, what the fuck was it called? I don't know. Oh. He had so much shit going on. Okay. And um, it, it really had to do with his heart, actually, I think. Yeah. And so he had a DNR, a do not resuscitate yeah. clause, where they're like, if he goes into cardiac arrest, just let him. Just make he, his quality of life is shit right now. Yeah. And so, so he from the beginning, so from the walker, the cane, and then the walker. Yeah. He never walked again after that. No. He never got back up. No, no. Jeez. So it was like a year of not walk, of not fucking walking. Yeah. And uh, so it gets to the point where he's unconscious, yeah. and he's just on what they call comfort care, mm -hmm. where they're just giving him morphine. Yeah. And. Uh, Finally, at one point, they're like, you know, and my mom makes a decision. They're like, we're taking him off of life support and everything, and we're just going to let him go. Oh, like take him off of feeding, and was, was he on breathing yeah, as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he's unconscious now. He's not even aware, as, I mean, as far as we know. And so... But even if your mind is there, if, you're, if you can't wake up fully Why? What's and you're point? not going to what's the point it's all about quality of life yeah you know? i don't want to live i don't want to live in like basically I don't jailed either. by my body no me yeah. neither and so we make the decision we're going to take him off and so me and my sister and my brother and my mom all go to the hospital when they're gonna unplug him <laughs> unplug him. and we're all like sitting around and it's very sad and we're all crying and they come in and they turn it off turn off the machines and this is like 10 o'clock in the morning and we sit there and sit there 
minutes go by, fucking hours go by, oh the God. whole fucking day goes by, he is not dying. He's just, he is <laughs> just laying there. It looks like he's sleeping. He's still slightly breathing. And finally, the doctor's like, you know, uh, sometimes they can hold on for a while, like days. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, all right, well, I guess we'll go home and come back tomorrow. <clears throat> so I drive back to L.A., drive, you know, like an hour and 20 minutes back, and I, I get home, and it was like midnight when my mom called, and she's like, your dad died. I was like, oh, okay. I'm sorry. It's weird because it's been a year of dealing with this. You've shed so many tears in the year watching this happen that yeah. like you're actually really relieved. Yeah. So you don't know what to say. Like you kind of on one one hand want to say congratulations, we don't have to deal with his suffering anymore. Yeah, he doesn't have this to suffer. Like- it's done. Yeah. And it's the only way I, I, I felt that with my mother because it was a slow and, and I yeah. was absolutely like traumatized by seeing her pass. Yeah. And seeing someone take their last breath is a hard thing. Yeah. And especially because it did feel very abrupt for her. It was just a couple of months of this. But um or um um God, I don't know, five weeks. Mm-hmm. Um but like there was still hope up until about a week before well, yeah yeah sort like of she could pull out of this well just maybe i guess it, I, it was it was looking like the chances were slimmer and slimmer but because there wasn't an explanation for what she was going through right. and the doctors were like it is totally possible that she could like gain Snap some mobility yeah. and and do better and come out of whatever has her like this but then Oof. there were some people that were like that's not gonna happen mm-hmm. um but there was this like what i mean once it was done it was like incredibly upsetting incredibly traumatizing but then there was also this like like relief it's done it's and you feel guilty i felt guilty saying Mm -hmm. relief i felt guilty saying i'm actually relieved that he died but you're not you're not relieved that i'm relieved that he's not suffering yes and you just knew you knew you saw it and you were already grieving him and you saw with your own eyes that like there was not a single chance Uh of him coming back no so it was just about waiting and just like i just wanted to be done so he can just be like at peace yes because i think no matter what religion or non-religion you believe in i think the general consensus is the dead don't care that they're dead no they don't even know that they're they dead. don't care and and it's and then it's done and even yeah. if you're atheist or if you're like spiritual or whatever yeah. like there's just there's there's no there's not suffering you're just it's done yeah yeah and it, it seems like such it seems so painful and it was and so like weird jail. <laughs> i just i lay i mean she this was like around midnight eleven thirty or you know close to midnight and then i got off the phone with my mom and i just laid there all fucking night like i couldn't sleep i i cried off and on but i i was also like holy shit yeah i don't have a dad anymore yeah the world feels different i was like holy shit Mm -hmm. and this is totally not uh special like (laughs) there are people who don't have their dads i'm just part of this shitty club now yeah i was like this is so n- normal. I'm like, it's weird that this is a normal thing and we all are going to be there mm-hmm. one day. Like, it was a 
pretty amazing growing experience. Like my views on death and everything are so much different now. Me too. And like, and my view on life. Like I I live life incredibly differently since the, the because I'm just like, Oh my God, it's so short. And then there's nothing. It's so short. And then there's nothing. It's really quick. I just turned 50 and I'm like, how the fuck did that happen? Yeah. I was just 20. (laughs) How the fuck am I 50? I feel no different. Mm-hmm. I mean, my bones ache a little bit more when I wake up in the morning. But like 50, the next stop is fucking death. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Well, also, you change so much in the first like 27 years of your life. You change a lot. or For some people more, some people less. But mm-hmm. a, a roughly 25 to 30 years of your life, you, yeah. you go through so many changes. And, and then you become the person you are. And it's just that. Yeah. And like you, you're you're you. You're the same. Like you feel the same because you've been. I feel the same, the same as I did in third grade. I don't. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't recall <laughs> growing up or maturing ever. I'm like I, maybe you didn't. It's so weird, but um, yeah. And like the more life experience you get, the faster things ramp up towards your death. Like when I was a kid. Summer vacation seemed like it lasted 10 fucking years. It did. I was like, fuck, this is the longest summer ever. And it was like, <laughs> this is like 12 weeks, it's man. Literally what like 12 the weeks. fuck is going on? <laughs> and now I'm just like, oh, wow, summer's over already? That was fucking Seasons quick. go by so quickly now. So fast. Oh, it's, yeah, I, you just have to... And, and enjoy it. I sound so stupid because it's just the same stuff we always heard. But once it becomes real, you I think hear that it for a reason. It's because it it's true. It's so true. And I really think that All losing a parent or a sibling or a, or a lover like just amps it up. Yeah. Like you're, you're just seeing that. Also, the thing I'll say, which I've talked about on here a lot, is that like I... I with every story I've I've heard um, and I've, I've heard this in the past from hospice and nurses and doctors is that like when people are waiting to go, they often are waiting for someone to either see them or for people to go to, to not be in the room. Oh, that's like a re- like every nurse I've ever spoken to believes that. And even with my own mother, like everybody left for the first time since she was like at home. Someone wasn't by her side. Only I was. And yeah. I and that was so her. And I remember afterwards walking away and just being like that bitch. You have siblings. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> that bitch. <laughs> she fucking knew. No, I, I was yeah. I was grateful and happy to be that person. And I've always been that way. Like I yeah. feel honored by it anyone asking me to like be there for them in a time of need mm-hmm. uh it's just the way that i am and um and and so i i took care of her i also like for any anyone out there i if you can physically do it i very strongly recommend at home hospice care um if if it's possible yeah, i know yeah. it's really really hard and some situations just don't allow for it sure. and that's so reasonable yeah. or some people just don't have the it in them to be able to care for someone in that way especially yeah. a close loved one yeah. but i i truly do like the facilities i and i'm sure i'm wrong and that about some of them i'm sure there are some really good ones out there mm. but every single one i've seen has been bad yeah, <laughs> every yeah. single one of them it has mysterious illnesses, mysterious deaths. The hallway smells like shit. There's Mysteri- one fluorescent. There's always someone screaming too. Yep. There's always someone. Every screaming. medical facility I'm in, you just walk down the halls, you'll hear in one, at least one room, you hear, 
Nurse, nurse, someone, anyone. There's that can't be not, that can't be the person. Ever there seen. was in the second rehab facility my dad was in, the nice one. There was a woman a few doors down in the hallway um, who was crazy. She was a crazy woman. She was in her 80s. And it, at least 10 times a day, coming out of her room, you would hear, Help me, 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 help me. Help me, help me, help me, help That's all she oh would yell God. is, help me. <sighs> it used to drive me crazy and it's really maddening. creep me out. Um. But yeah, the, the, there's just horrible sounds in hospitals and even the just the beeping and stuff. And Yeah, the beeping is pretty bad. My great... Oh, uh, we have to take a break. Okay, we have to take a break. And then when I come back, I'm going to tell you about my mentally ill great-grandmother. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Does now that mean, we're yeah, back. Okay, now we're back. Um, I'm just... Okay. My great-grandmother, who was essentially my grandmother growing up. I have a weird, complicated, adopted situation. Are you adopted? I was adopted by my biological father's mother and her husband. Okay. So my biological father's mother and stepdad. And also, like, so my grandmother's mother was like my grandma and my grandma was like my mom. Okay, that makes sense. not that complicated, actually. No, no, that makes sense. It's not that complicated. Yeah. Um... My my birth mother bailed when I was five. My birth father was in and out of jail and just gone, and they adopted me. Those are my parents. Um, and those are the parents that passed away and they raised me. My great-grandmother also passed away. She, ha- she was schizophrenic, and she had bipolar disorder. Um, as a kid, she would go through what she would call, like when she'd refer to it, she would not remember anything from when she would go on into these like episodes episodes and she would just say back when i was sick that's and she was from oklahoma and she had like this her name was georgia and she was from oklahoma she had this thick like oaky accent she'd be like back when i was sick and then (laughs) she had a real weird way of talking Mm -hmm. and sometimes i like pick up some of her weird things and it's not becoming it's not cute but um and so she some of her episodes were really really funny like she for a whole year thought she was jesus christ I love it. A whole year thought she was Jesus Christ. Do you and remember this? Absolutely. I was like a How teenager. Oh my God, I love it. She was a teenager. And she also, the other thing she would do is she would like go to the other room. We could have a full house. It could be fucking Christmas day, which she's <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's like her favorite day. Uh, her birthday. It's her birthday. <laughs> she's like, oh. and also, also for a whole year, she would only eat Christmas dinner. Oh my God! Girl. I love this person. <laughs> I, I would love to eat fucking <laughs> turkey or ham or but whatever. But the way she would say it, it'd be like, my, my mother uh, would be like, "Mom, what do you want for dinner?" She knows what she's gonna say. She fucking knows what she's gonna say. But she asks, she's like, "Mom, what do you want? What do you want for dinner?" And she's like, "Turkey dressing and cranberry sauce." Okay, Fuck. you can't have turkey dressing and cranberry sauce. Why not? Because we can't just go <laughs> find it all the time. Turkey dressing and cranberry. That and then, sounds and great. And then sometimes it would just be this bicker back and forth. She'd be like, "You can't have turkey dressing. What do you want? Turkey dressing and cranberries. You can't have turkey dressing. What do you want? Turkey dressing and cranberries. So like ever. And it would just be the back and forth. And it was fascinating. It was amazing to witness though, because I would just be the only person in our home truly enjoying this. Yeah. And um, oh man. So she, but also a thing she would do could be a full house of people. She'd walk into the other room and just be like, "I'm gonna go get my coat and come back fully naked." 
Oh my god. That is fucking You know what's great about that is she doesn't realize nope. she's out of her mind. Nope. But it's like someone wrote out of oh, out of their mind. I love it. And she would but she the way she would do it is she wouldn't come out like like she'd like excited and like pointing fingers at people. She like would, totally normal. She would come out and just sit down on the couch and cross her arms and go back to what she was doing, fully naked. Fucking and, a. and occasionally, my if my mother's back was turned, somebody had to come up and be like, oh, oh. real quick. I don't want to. I don't want to disrupt what you're talking about. Your I'm sure this is wrong, but your your mom, your mom, your mom's naked ass is on your couch. And I just so these episodes <laughs> would last like a year. And then would she just wake up out of it and be yeah. like, huh. Usually it'd be shorter than that. Usually, sometimes it would be just like a couple weeks or a few months. And she wouldn't remember them? No. And she wouldn't remember that entire time. That's beautiful. I know. That's how Great I want to go out. But I, I, I want to not remember oh, yeah. the fucking weird I wanna, shit. I want to, but also, like, I have a lot of older friends. I would say the majority of my close friends are in their 40s and 50s. Yeah. And the joy of that for them and for me is that when they lose their minds, <laughs> I'm going to be driving the golf cart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I have several contracts uh, that, that have me obligated to people as they're older and losing their goddamn minds. When I was a teenager, my grandpa came and lived with us because he had Alzheimer's and he lived in the house. Mm. And I remember several times where he had grown up as a farmer and uh, on a ranch and had like horses and stuff. And so a lot of his episodes would be him thinking he was back as a farmer and stuff. And so he would go and grab like an extension cord (laughs) thinking it was a rope and just like go off out around the neighborhood looking for the horses. (laughs) Why is that so funny to me? (laughs) And I was like, it's so stressful for the family, but him, he's just like, I'm going to look for the horses. And I just wish I could see what he, does he see like a farm? Does, Does he not see like, buildings and asphalt does he literally look i'm so fascinated and and really wish i understood this stuff more i also i mean i think a lot of people go through that type of alzheimer's or dementia it i i tend to hear a lot of like they were in the war and they go back to the war and i think it's refreshing yeah Yeah, i think it's refreshing that somebody like was like "Ah, just gonna go about the water in the Trough, 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 trough. I'm just gonna um, put water in the trough for the go horses. Put water in the trough for the horses. Um, oh, the the reason why I brought up my my granny though is also when she had to be committed a couple of times because also she did get violent and stuff like that, and yeah, that was yeah. a lot of times on me as a kid because she was supposed to be watching us. Like she was supposed to be watching us, but I was the oldest, and so I was sort of watching of everybody. Of course, yeah. which I guess if you wanted to, if you wanted to get therapy about it, was a little messed up. Yeah. But honestly, some funnier stuff happened during that time, and also toughened me up. Um, <laughs> sure, uh, but <laughs> the uh, some of the times that she was committed, she was in these like fucked up places, and they're always like there aren't many windows. And I've been in so many mental institutions to go mm-hmm. and visit her and stuff as mm-hmm. kids. And some of them, when she was in the the worst of the wards, I guess you would say, uh-huh. uh, kids weren't allowed in. So right. I would go with my mother and Amber and we would kind of wave at her through the window. And then they would go and have their visit while Amber and I waited in this middle section. I remember specifically uh. one time 
we were just watching the patients walk by uh-huh. and like it, when nobody was looking we would like flash our titties <laughs> how old were you <laughs> like, eight like, like eight <laughs> <laughs> like eight and like nobody's looking they're just like ah! like flash our <laughs> Woo! Woo! anyone could have seen so weird <laughs> so fucking weird but these patients were like i still remember oh my god there was this one woman god the lighting is so bad and you know what that's really infuriating to me because if you're gonna not that that should be like the first thing you put budget into but let's i think that it's maddening to have bad lighting lose so the fluorescence lose the floor the blinking fluorescence one of the it's worst parts of anyone hospitals as well is everything's fucking fluorescent oh my god put some good lighting in it's not that hard but so there was this woman that had this long long like dark Great. Like, do you remember Practical Magic? Have you seen that movie? No. Okay, well, first of all, you need to watch Practical Magic <laughs> because it is the best movie. Before ever. I watched 10 Things I Hate About You? E- no. Oh, was that? That was, that was in the break that, that we were talking break, about. That was on the break, but Steve's like, never seen 10 Things I Hate About You. People are like, why the fuck did he just bring up 10 <laughs> Things I Hate About You? So you need to watch both of these movies. They're incredibly important okay. to me and also many other people. Um, but she had this long gray hair it was beautiful long hair and this like uh i would say she was like 68 and then like some of it was just wrapped on top of her head out of her fucking mind and she did this thing that like i if i ever see another person do this again i'm going to i i like it will trigger me and also i'll be amazed she (laughs) had to vomit and but wait but wait she looked up and vomited in her own mouth and carried it like a mouth cup. Ew. 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 By the way, my biggest fear phobia is throwing up. Really? I haven't, big. I haven't thrown up in 32 years. What? Yeah. What about when you drink? The last time I threw up was from drinking 32 what? years ago. Do you ago. just not drink? I, I don't. I rarely drink. And when I do, I don't let myself get drunk to the point where I might throw up. Is that why? Kind of. Oh? I also just more or less stopped drinking years ago because I was like, well, I'm not drinking anymore to get drunk. So why am I drinking? I don't really like the taste. And a lot of times I think I may have some kind of allergy like. Even just socially drinking, I'd have a beer, beer or two, and the next day feel like really shitty. Mm, so I, mean, I was like, some of that's just getting older, "I'll just stick with that. weed." Yeah. Um. Cool. <laughs> sick. Sick. Um, sick. Yeah, but I haven't. It, it's my biggest fear is, and so it's really hard for me to watch scenes in movies where people throw up, even though I hate, 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 hate. The obvious scene in a movie where someone throws up and it's like, oh, they already have a mouth of like soup and they're just like, bleh. (laughs) It's like, that's not throwing up. If you want to see the best puking scene in a movie, rent um, Blue Ruin. From a red box nearby. Sure, or get it on iTunes or whatever. There's a movie called Blue Ruin and it is almost a perfect movie. It's it's a drama, but it's... um, independent film uh this guy macon blair is in it and uh jeremy solonay directed it he's the guy who did green room and um he directed i think a lot of the newest season of uh true detective but it's really an amazing movie it's a revenge movie about a guy who's 
the the dude who killed his parents is getting out of jail. Mm. And so he now wants to go kill this guy. Only it's literally like if you or I tr- wanted to kill someone and like really don't know how to go about doing it. <laughs> so it's not a comedy, but it's this guy like who doesn't really know how to use a gun yeah. and is like trying to fucking kill this. And it's fucking really stressful, but it's beautifully shot. Amazing movie. Blue Ruin. Can't recommend it enough. But there's a scene where I believe he's just killed somebody. And he's sitting on the side of the road, and he's so freaked out that he throws up. And it is the most real, realistic, like, it is like a ton of of vomit. And I was like, holy shit, really hard to watch. And it was so unbelievable and realistic that I followed this guy and DM'd him on Twitter. Because I was like, I got, I think this guy actually threw up on camera. And sure enough, he did. He's like, I drank like a a six pack of warm beer. I think he, I think he said he drank like a six pack of warm beer, and then a bunch of milk, <sighs> and then just sat there and waited, and then he threw up. He's like, they rolled the cameras. He sat down on the side of the road. They just let the cameras roll, and it is so fucking disturbing. But like, yeah, that's what people look like when they. Th- when they throw no up. one explodes vomit out of a closed mouth. Mm-mm. I've never done that. No, you're like, and also you gag <sighs> a bit first. Yeah, there's like a bit. It's 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 working up. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't At like. I don't just, like if you're gonna up. fake that in a movie, just do dry heaves. Yeah, people do that too. People do that. I don't throw up very often. I can probably in my adult life, I can probably count on like one hand. Except I had food poisoning and I. Another thing that I wouldn't recommend, uh, yeah. losing your parents and food poisoning. Same time? Like, um, actually. Really close? Really close. <sighs> my, my, my father, the week before he died, was here when I had food poisoning and he took me to the hospital. And it was that bad that I had to go to the hospital because I was like, I, I like couldn't walk. Or, and, oh man. I got food poisoning at Cantor's once so bad that I had to go to the emergency room. But I didn't throw up. Diarrhea. What? Yeah. I don't think you had food poisoning. I don't think you had food poisoning. I had it, I mean. I just don't throw up. I've thrown up that I can count four times in my life. What? I'm sure I did as a baby. I don't remember that. Three from drinking. And one, we had a family reunion when I was like 14. And my mom made a bunch of homemade lasagna. Like, six or seven trays those big casserole dishes of lasagna we had a bunch of family there people i hadn't seen in like 10 years huge ag family reunion and so i was 14 hollow leg just like i would eat so much i ate almost a full tray of on my own like i ate so much lasagna it was fucking uncool and then after after dinner or after lunch, this was this was in the afternoon. Okay. Everyone decided to go down to the pool to go swimming. Oh no! And I was just like, I don't feel too good. I feel I, I ate too much. I'm just gonna lay down. And so everyone went down to the pool. My mom's still in the kitchen. I go in the living room and I lay on the couch. And no more than five minutes go by. I am laying there, and without warning. It wasn't, 
it, there was no warning to like, oh, I should go to the bathroom. Laying on the laying on my back and just blah, oh. just like out of fucking nowhere, like it just all came out, and I immediately felt incredible <laughs> and went swimming. <laughs> I was like, I was like, holy shit! I feel so much better. I'm going swimming, and just didn't worry about the mess because your mom. I think came my and mom cleaned it. Your mom it up. cleaned it up. Yeah, of I course think so. Did. You shit. I know. Hmm. Um. Okay. Well, we're we're relatively near the end. To circle back. Did you do anything to deal? Did you like start going to therapy? Were you already in therapy? I had done therapy in the past. I. Um, I, I wasn't able to go to therapy after my father died. I wasn't able, I, it, that broke me. You just weren't ready to talk about it. He was like my favorite person. Sure. Um, not my favorite person in the, I mean, I don't know. We don't, I mean, I have have a child, but he was, he was my, he was my favorite person. I think from like growing up. Sure. And, uh, and, and also just like the person that I bonded with the most and, um, uh, he, we we had just gotten incredibly close in the years before he passed as well, and he loved my daughter so fucking much. She was in the middle of building a library in my backyard, and wow, yeah. here there's a library. Well, it, he never got to finish it, Ugh. and I can't, I can't yet. I there's want weird to. shit like that. I have weird shit like that that I still can't bring myself to do, and it's yeah. been five years. I kept thinking I would. I kept thinking like in a couple months I'm gonna get down there and finish it because I, I mean, I grew up around construction, so I can do. I can go down there. Like I, I physically know how to go and do that. I just can't yet, and I don't. And I'll feel. I don't know if I'll feel guilty if I have someone else finish it. I don't know. But I, I, I was really close to him, and I just it it really really like split me as a person. Where I like I've never been so close to alcoholism in my life. I and I've I've always been a person like pretty in check with that, and I don't drink like. I drink like a glass of scotch or a couple glasses of wine. Uh-huh. I don't I don't like go overboard. Go overboard. I've never been a person that really really does. I mean, we all have our early 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 20s, but um yeah, that time was was I was a fucking mess. But after my mother, I was finally ready. Like that happened and there was that like exhale because I think after he died also, she was just never truly herself again after of losing not. him. And he not. was meant to be looking after her. Yeah. And losing him, she just was like one like one minute it would you would be like talking to her and then one minute it'd be like I, you're you're confused and you're like your personality is a bit weird it's like something was off about mm-hmm. her and then so for me there was also this anxiety of like uh, now he's gone who is going to take care of her how is she doing like she's not going to make it she's not going to have the the transplant that she's meant to be getting and all of these things and and then after she passed there was like this big loaded yeah wow like i didn't think that she was gonna die i wasn't hoping for that or expecting that but then it happened and there was this like wow i guess all of these questions of what's gonna happen are now answered (laughs) i'll tell you what i mean i'm sure there will come a day when you'll get that library finished and you will be really stoked about it and like almost like a tribute and it will be an actually an amazing feeling you know this a weird thing that happened to me oh there's my phone is my in my phone my parents house the uh caller id that comes up for my parents house is douglas ag it should have been mom and dad or whatever but for some reason they each had their own cell phone so i had my mom's cell phone beverly ag 
And then my dad's cell phone entered as a separate one, Douglas Ag. but I also just put the home phone under his name. I did the same thing, yeah. And so after he died, whenever my mom would call, it would just say Douglas Ag. And I was like, for like a year, I was like, I should change that. That's weird. For how long did you, because I would still get the feeling of like, ugh. Like I, it, it would still give says me, Douglas Adri. But I, I mean, for how long it. did you get that feeling? How long for how? Like, did you have that afterwards? Of like, where you see like the year. name and you'd be like, oh. for like a year. Okay. And then I remember one day, one day I was driving, and I think I went to a Starbucks or something. And while I was in my car, my mom called, and, and after the call, I was like, I got to change that. And so I go into my contacts, and I tried to delete his name, and I couldn't. I just sat down. I just started fucking bawling and I like couldn't change it because it was I might cry talking about it It was it was like the only thing I still had of like contact with him kind of you know totally and I I'm at a point now where I could literally just oh yeah I should and I still do when my mom calls I'm like I should change that and I'm I probably could, but I'm just like, oh, it's kind of this cool thing where it's still my dad's name, which is weird. But I, that first time I tried it, I was, I just, and it had been a year and I like had a, and I hadn't cried about it. My dad passing away in, you know, like six months and it was just so fucking heavy, but also felt fucking great. It feels great to fucking cry. Oh my God, it does. Um, but yeah. I, get, I get what you mean, though. It's like it's not it's not the only thing that reminds you of him, but it's the only thing that like is uh, fuck like uh, like a connection to like his living self, like yeah. his like functioning yeah. living self. Yeah, yeah. I had to, you know, I I do therapy, but I was still so depressed after he died that like a lot of my friends really were hyper aware of how depressed I was, mm-hmm. even though I wasn't. I mean, I knew I was sad, but I didn't know how it was affecting other people. Mm-hmm. And I had several people go, you should uh, try meditation. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? And they're like, it might help you. And I started asking around and like a lot of my friends like meditate that I didn't know about. And it had been something that I had wanted to try for a long time. But part of me was like, I'm not into this new agey type shit and this, it seems so weird and old and outdated. And, but there was, there was a guy, there's a guy I know named, uh, uh, Stuart, uh, Kornfeld. He's Ben Stiller's production. Uh, he's producing partner at Red Hour. And I know, I've known Stuart for forever, for a really long time. And, um, I used to sometimes go and work out of Red Hour, you know, doing weird punch up and writing stuff on on things over there. And every time I'd be at Red Hour, Stuart would come in in the morning and uh, before he had meetings or talked to anyone, he would go into this little room and meditate. And Stuart is like probably in his 60s and there's just always been for some reason i'm really drawn to this guy there's always just been an energy about him i'm mm. even just talking to him you're like there's something very cool this guy gets it yeah. and i don't know what it is and then i found out he meditated his first job was producing i want to say the elephant man for david lynch 
And when he went to meet with David Lynch, David Lynch, who's a huge uh, transcendental meditation uh, uh, supporter, uh, told Stuart he would only hire him if he meditated. Wow. And so Stuart, just to get the job, was like, fuck it. I'll take TM classes. <laughs> I need a job. And so he's been doing this ever since the elephant, uh, yeah, the elephant man. Wow. And there's, and twice a day, and he, he seems so like even and like just the energy talking to this guy. And so I was always curious about it. And then, uh, it turns out a bunch of my friends all had the same, this meditation teacher and they hooked me up with him and I went and did it and it was fucking life-changing wow so do you do therapy as well or just that i do therapy once in a while yeah but the meditation has just really opened my eyes to like i was raised christian and at a very early age you know in my teenage years kind of started thinking for myself and was like i don't buy into this yeah it seems very you know like sci-fi like the bible seems like just another, you know, like Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe, or The Hobbit. And um, so I fully went just the other way and was just atheist. It was just like, there's no fucking God. And then once I started meditating, I still don't think there's the, a God, God, but I was, I was like, I was like, I, I don't know what's out there, but I feel super connected to everything when I meditate. And I, you know, if you believe in God, um, you have to believe that we're all connected. If you believe that God created everything, then we all come from the same place. We all come mm -hmm. from God. If you believe in a big bang that created us, we still all come from the same place. So we should all be getting along. We should, we are all connected no matter yeah. what. Yeah, 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 yeah. I kind of I kind of went through that shift when um I mean I I wouldn't mm, I wouldn't have called myself atheist but I became significantly more sort of connected and spiritual when I had Amelia. Uh -huh. There was just this thing in me that I was just like oh my god I like I felt like connected to the planet. Yeah, yeah, sure. Which sounds silly even coming out of my mouth, but I but I did. I just was but like look look silly, at this yeah. like weird thing that and all I and also just like it blew my fucking mind that my body just made built, another person. Made just built another person. I just grew this thing and I never farming. Learned. You were farming her inside. I farmed of her. I just didn't it's just weird <laughs> that I could just make another human yeah, sure. and grow it without cycle of knowing life. how to do that and my body just knew how to do that and i was like wait but it uh, it's so weird and yeah. it, and it it changed me in a lot of ways in my like connection to to earth and like i yeah. it also made me afraid of flying oh wow <laughs> it made me afraid of flying because i was like i'm not meant to i'm not meant to leave the earth <laughs> like i'm i need to stay here and it feels really unnatural to not be in any way connected to it and wow. that was, i was never afraid of flying so you that. you're now afraid of flying i'm afraid of flying i'm like it seems so unnatural. i'm the opposite i've come come the other way I, there was a period where i didn't fly for like 10 years because i had a panic attack on a plane once and i was like mm. well clearly my panic attacks <laughs> are uh associated with flying so i will never fly again and then uh I met it as soon. I always, as soon as I get on a plane, as soon as I sit down, I just put on my noise canceling headphones, close my eyes, and meditate. Helps a lot. Oh my god! I got. I'm. I'm gonna try this. Also, 
another thing was I had a really bad flight and uh, to New York to uh, do uh, stand up. It was so bad that I was like, well, I clearly can't fly back to LA, so I'm going to book a train. I'm going to take a fucking train across country, a three-day trip. I'll get my own little car, my own little room. And I tried to justify it so many ways. I was like, I need to work on this script so I, I can just write for three days, just uninhibited. Yeah, that just, sounds great. And I got on that fucking train and 20 minutes in was like nauseous because the train, I've never been on a train before. Oh, does it move a lot? It I've shakes, never been on a train. it like sways back and forth. Really? And I couldn't look at my computer without getting motion sickness. Oh, so no. for 18 hours, I stared out the window at the horizon so I wouldn't get sick. We get to Chicago. I have to get off to, tr- to switch trains. And I just kept walking, went up, got a hotel, stayed the night in Chicago, did stand up in Chicago. The next day, got on a plane and flew back. I really haven't had a trouble flying since because I was like, there may be turbulence, but at least I'm going to be fucking back in L.A. in a couple hours. True. I just, I, but had, I, don't have I also a kid. had a real, I also had a really bad flight that just like, I mean, like we were preparing for emergency landing and I was like, yeah, I just had the worst flight of my life three weeks ago oh going to Austin. Like a two and a half hour flight. I was going to Vegas. I was going to Vegas. 45, Vegas is forty five minutes. Notoriously a ho- horrible. It is? Like when you okay. co- when you start coming over the hills, it's really turbulent. We literally like All were the turned time. fully sideways, fully sideways, looking straight down yeah. at the ground. Yeah, yeah. And and there was this loud like crash. And like and I I saw <laughs> and then the emergency lights came on and I saw the the I saw the like flight attendant's face. And she jumped into an open seat so fast yeah. and buckled up. And she looked straight at me. She knew I was watching her <laughs> be terrified. And then yeah, she came yeah. up to me afterwards and she was like, that's what it sounds like when the, when the cabin's been breached. <laughs> oh, like, shit. Jesus. Like a hole? Yeah. And I was like, Jesus. I was, my last girlfriend uh, lived in Cincinnati. It was like this long distance thing. And I, I was flying to Cincinnati to visit her. And um, uh, the airport is actually in Kentucky, right over the river from Cincinnati. And uh, it's like out in the middle of nowhere. So like when you're flying in at night, all you see is the airport. It's kind of cool. And we're circling to come down to the airport. And I'm looking, and I see like a lot of fire engines. And I see <laughs> sirens on them. Like, and I'm just sitting in my seat watching this going, oh, fuck, what's going on down there? That's fucking crazy. And as we're coming in on approach, I'm like looking out the window and I see like, no joke, like 10 fire engines, at least, probably more. And they've all got their lights on, and I'm like watching them going, fuck, what happened? That's crazy. And as we're coming in and start to pass them, they start following us. And I'm like, it's us. They're fucking here for us. Oh Why God. hasn't anyone said anything? And then the plane lands, and the captain comes on, and he's like, uh, folks, you may notice a few, uh, you may have noticed some, uh, fire engines, <laughs> emergency vehicles. We, uh, had like a, a, a minor, um, electrical issue. Um, this was, this was just for, uh, you know, precaution, but everything's fine. I feel like they should have warned you. About I was like, that one. motherfucker, you should have told us. Legally, I think they have to. Yeah, they didn't. I was like, I would have called my girlfriend, you know, like. 
Oh my gosh. Ugh. Ugh. Well. Ugh. I still have no problem flying. I, I, I don't want to do it. I prefer it now. So many planes crash. <laughs> so- but again, I don't so have a kid. I have nothing so to live for. So I have. <laughs> you have some. I don't stuff. have a girlfriend. I don't Your have kids. Your mom so would be like, pretty fucking uh, bummed. That's another thing I've noticed is like, I'm like, oh, I cannot. You're the only child. No. No, I have a brother and sister. Okay, I'm like, I can't die before my mom. No. This would kill her. Her yeah. best friend just died. My mm-hmm. dad died five years ago. I can't. I have to stay alive. You have to stay alive at least as long. That's mm-hmm. the. That's the thing where I when I was depressed, I was like. Well, I can't kill myself because my mom's still alive. <laughs> well, shit. Yeah. Um, well, for what it's worth, I'm glad you didn't kill yourself. Thank you. Me too, actually. Um, not because we're <laughs> friends, but because um, y- I wouldn't be able to have you on my podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So selfishly. Um... <laughs> this is a cool podcast. I can't wait to hear the other people. It's true. <laughs> well, I love talking about it. it it's we- It sounds weird saying. Yeah. But it's very cathartic, and I think it will. It could help other people who haven't dealt with this. I there's certain things I wish they would teach you in school. Yeah. Or prepare you. You can't I mean, really teach have, it, but we like we should have fucking therapy in school, like or something like that. Something that teaches us about human emotions and like something that's a step further than learning about literature, but also would allow us to connect to that literature better if we like yeah. knew depth of emotion a little bit. Better. My meditation teacher is like, for an adult, it's like a three day class. Like you go in like three days and and meditate with them and and learn how to do it properly. He's like, it takes me three days to teach an adult. He's like, I could teach a child how to meditate in half an hour. Whoa. Kids pick it up. They, you know, it's same with, you know, when kids start playing instruments when they're younger. Yeah. They don't have the mental blocks of like, oh, I shouldn't be able to do this or, oh, this is a problem. They just work through it. Yeah. They just go in and do it and they don't have like fear or self image or whatever. They should do therapy. They, there's so much shit. I wish they would have taught me how to balance a checkbook in high school. Yeah. How to fucking do figure out taxes, insurance, insurance taxes that's the real stuff they need to teach the most the the thing i learned in high school that i still use the most this day is typing yeah a life lessons class every year and one is managing your finances one oh, is big time. grief and emotions big time uh and and processing and being emotionally healthy and how to be healthy in a relationship yep I don't know what the other two are because those are the two most important. How to yeah, yeah. how to love your body, yeah. and cope with like the speed of um, the world that we live in now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now there's just one missing sex ed. and sex ed. <laughs> they need to, which they do, but they don't do it well enough. I don't. No, think. they don't do it well enough. Um. All right. Well, I think we have to. We're done here. All right. <laughs> we're done here. Goodbye. <laughs> Ta-ta. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Don't let the doorknob hit you where the good Lord split you. <laughs> oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Who is saying that? <laughs> Thank you for coming Thank on. Thank you. This was great. Um, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry for yours. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> 
Hello, my sweet little angels. This is Brie Helders. Thank you so much for listening to My Dead Parents, hosted by me and produced by Julia Meltzer. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and keep with us on Instagram at My Dead Parents. If you have any questions or input, you can also email us at mydeadparentspodcast at gmail.com. Bye. Campfire.